to uh, take a few deep breaths, maybe close your eyes. Mm. This one's called Remember. Remember that creator is the wind on my face, the rain in my hair, the sun that warms me. Creator is the trees, rocks, grasses, the majesty of the sky and the intense mystery of the universe. Creator is the infant who giggles at me in the grocery line, the beggar who reminds me how rich I really am, the idea that fires most my brilliant moment, the feeling that fuels my most loving act and the part of me that yearns for that feeling again and again. Whatever ceremony, ritual, meditation, song, thought or action it takes to reconnect to that feeling is what I need to do today. Remember. That's it. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you. We remember at the moment the infinite creator who is here with us and is is us and is in us it's every it's everything yeah. yeah um some of the things that i have really come to understand and i want to throw this out there to the group is this sense that as people move into uh different states of spirituality you know uh, as they've been busy in their life um, evolving into different states of spirituality and maybe they get involved with the law of one or something like that um, especially as we move into the postmodern mindset now remember we have the traditional values modernity postmodernity, and then integral and we're trying to understand the world from the integral perspective um, and the postmodern perspective, which is a very use needed critique, it's it's a it's a place where is critiqued is understood uh, the traditional and the modernity is understood as to having um, contributed to some of the problems that we have, and they provide very good critique. One of the problems, though, of postmodernity is that um, a lot of people are very expressive about what they're for. I mean, against, but they may not really develop much what they're for. And one of the things that is thrown out, just thrown out in the postmodern world, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, especially with people who are into spirituality and discovering spirituality, especially things like the law of one or the new age in general, uh, are throwing out some of the babies with the bathwater that are actually pretty important, especially when we we need in the traditional. Okay, so here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna set a stage, and I'm gonna see what you guys think about this, and hopefully this will open us up for discussion. Let's say that you are um, a counselor. <laughs> or somebody who meets somebody regularly for spiritual direction or some level of interaction. And this person uh, is either born into the postmodern mindset or evolved into it pretty quickly. Let's say they're pretty young, okay? 
And uh, what we find out is that a lot of the thinking is that they they really see the world from an open-hearted place, which is good. We, we want to affirm that. But in their life, there is very little sense of um, discipline. There's very little sense of... Because in some ways, in the postmodern mindset, if if it takes a lot of work or if I have to invest myself a lot, especially if I have to invest myself in some sort of model of thinking like prayer tradition or something, I may be skeptical of that tradition because maybe they're, they're trying to manipulate me or something. So you, you'll have a lot of people who, who don't feel, um, able to trust uh, things that you have to stick to for a while. Uh, groups or or you may not be able to trust um, yeah, prayer regimen or even tradition, spiritual tradition of some sort because there's this idea that it didn't come from me. It, it came from this traditional value system and I've rejected that. So anyways, uh, it, the hard work of growing up is often not there in the postmodern mindset. And yet they have an open heart and they want to connect with the world. So what might be, if in your opinion, what might be some ways that you might describe to them some traditional values, but do it from a postmodern perspective. This is really tough because I'm I'm asking everybody to put on your integral thinking caps. <laughs> so you're talking to a postmodern person who um, really seems to lack a lot of roots. Maybe they have a real beautiful tree, okay, real beautiful heart, open heart, but very little roots. Because that's what postmodernity does not want to plant roots. They don't trust systems that go down like that. Yet in their life, what you see is um, they're stuck. They're not moving forward. They're lonely. Um, they may have a, a concept of good, you know, metaphysics, but there there's no sense of relationship with a larger essence. Um, <clears throat> so how might you approach that in your, in your kind of integral thinking? And that, that's a tough one, but I wonder if anybody had any thoughts. I think it's hard. Like you probably have to find somebody that you know and that you trust who and I don't know, like, I'm, I guess I'm speaking for myself, but like, what you see and trust that did that, I guess, who has like a postmodern way of thinking, but has some sort of structure and order around their life, no? So like, I was talking to Victor about this the other day, but like, cause he's a lot like myself and he has all these mm, good beliefs, good ideas and whatnot, but 
like what you're talking about with the roots. He's not rooted in anything. He's not disciplined in any way. And um, I think it helps to have a role model, I think, of some sort, probably. That's what I would say. Okay, that's beautiful. I mean, that is, that's just gorgeous. It's is it's exactly right. But what if they say uh, something like, "Well, where do I find something somebody like that who is open hearted like I am, or you know, postmodern in that kind of thinking like I am?" But I mean, where do they where do you go to find somebody like that? I don't I don't have an answer for that one because that one's tough. Because see, like if I'm talking about myself again, then like. Uh, because I don't know, I feel like, you know, and again, not having roots and whatnot, it comes from like that place of distrust, like you were touching on it. So having a basis of distrust kind of makes you look at any potential role model at first with that same eye that you're kind of observing and picking everything else on. But um, really, like, I don't know, like, I, like if I was, I guess, talking to my friend, I'd just tell him, like, like, throw yourself out there, like, like you. And I mean, I say that, right? But like, in finding a role model, like, I don't know, that's tough. Cause I mean, I, I went like without role models for a long time and it's like trying to find one when you don't have any is, is I think difficult. So I don't really have an answer for that, I guess. We're going to come back to you cause I, I have some things to ask you, but anybody else to have some thoughts on that? So how to get a postmodern the short answer is I don't, if it was a practical advice, I would have no idea what to tell them. If it was finding commonalities, I think the postmodern value of group consensus, no hierarchy, everybody share how you feel to make sure we all feel heard and seen before we go about order structure as those are those as the prerequisites before you move into the blue traditional values of structure, order, roles, division of labor. I think uh, I would try to help my postmodern brother or sister see that it's difficult to have group consensus without shared values, but even Maybe I'd probably have a conversation on what even is group consensus and what and just how that looks differently depending on the decision that needs to be made and who just pointing out the paradox of group consensus, but who is the one who decides when we have group consensus, then you would need some sort of structure or hierarchy to decide that. So I guess I as a postmodern who was raised in the postmodern worldview, I think that that's where I would start. But I also, yeah, short answer is, I don't really know practically what I would tell them. Well, you just go smoke a joint. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. And we'd reach group consensus. On Real quick. Joint, that's, the, that's the spiritual, that's the dang shortcut right there. Man, uh, I don't know if they do that there in Canada, but here in Texas, no, just kidding. Um, the other thing too oh, about postmodern, uh, the, the thing about postmodern too is 
on one hand, people have a beautiful heart. I mean, they're real, they're young. And it's like, how in the hell do you know all of this stuff at your age? I didn't know this stuff at your age. How did you know this stuff? So that's one thing that comes to my mind. But on the other hand, they're so lonely. There's a real, real loneliness of, of, um, it's almost like the group can, in the name of group consensus, like postmodern group consensus and not wanting to have any authority or hierarchy be a part of something or to have that emerge, then people sometimes stay at the very shallow level just to have a consensus. Um, are you familiar with the four fa f uh, f phases, the four phases of group? dynamics is going to be forming, storming, norming, and performing. So the forming is just getting to know each other and then everybody's energy and we're cool and, you know, we, we got this thing going on. Uh, and that's where a lot of people just stop right there. They And they think that that's group consensus, but a group doesn't actually form until there's some level of moving into the storming where people's real sort of their personalities, their Enneagram types or whatever might emerge a little bit more strongly. And you might have a vying for values, priorities of values, that kind of thing, and some conflicts, but it's necessary. And then once the storming happens, then you have the norming, which is where people actually communicate and say, well, we're going to be, we're different. We're different. That's okay. Let's work together. And then you have a, kind of norming the roles. And then after that, you have performing and you go out there and you actually do something or you have some level of accountability. But a lot of people in the postmodern world, ha um, we are allergic to accountability because it feels like that we are going to be um, put upon or there's we have to we have to bow to some level of authority or vulnerability when that might feel like I'm being infringed upon, especially if I'm having a hermeneutics of suspicion, distrusting um, other people who might might infringe upon my free will. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a real conundrum, but that's what we have to talk about because if we're an integral community, and a lot of the people that we talk to in our daily life are gonna be straight up postmodern, um, how do we engage? How do we engage? DeMarcus, do you have any, any thoughts on this? Does this make sense to you or is it? Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm trying to formulate a response. Um, I can see I the fire, the like smoke <laughs> coming out, you know? Um, I guess I'll just start spitting out stuff. So, Taking myself in a, a, as an example, I'm kind of the same way, postmodern. Um, I was raised in traditional value, and then I got to a certain age, I was like, this isn't for me. I, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, screw the old ways, let's start a new, you know. Um, and I would say what really, I would say getting older and experience kind of really helped shape me um, in that, Yes, I was not subscribed completely to the traditions and values of, say, the generations prior to me. But as I got older, I started to kind of distill and pick and choose what I felt 
was worth keeping in what I felt needed to kind of go, if that makes any sense. You were able to have some discernment. That's good Blu-ray uh, activation there, some discernment. So you, you didn't throw everything out. You, you were Correct. able to see that there were some things that actually you just need for a, for a foundation. Right, exactly. And then there were things that, you know, it's kind of one of those, you grow up in it, then you let loose, you go wild, and then you grow older and mature and look back and then you start to kind of pick and choose what works for you, what doesn't. And that's pretty much what, in my case, has happened. And so, yeah, like you said, I didn't completely throw everything out, but I discerned on my own what I felt for me was needed to be kept from traditional values and what also needed to be thrown out. Okay, that's beautiful. So here's here's a bottom line question that you're leading me to. Um, one of the things that I have found that traditional values do really well, really well, and postmodern almost doesn't want to touch. I mean, we're talking run away, run away. <laughs> uh, and I think that a lot of people who have postmodern mindsets like I said, are really lonely. There's a sense that they want to belong to a larger community, but sometimes the communities aren't really all that deep. They're, because in order to have a deeper sense of community, you have to kind of, you, you have to like engage and have the hard work of showing up, you know what I mean? Or, um, and, you know, and participating in some way. And, and so a lot of people have a hard time with that. And the biggest thing that people have a hard time with is this idea of the divine. Because as we move away from traditional, away from modernity, and we get into post-modernity, we may have a real strong sense of spirituality. It's the spiritual but not religious thing, right? Uh, we may have a real strong sense of spirituality, especially if our heart chakras are opening up, because we're starting to see one of the telltale signs of a heart chakra opening up is the ability to see um, f the world from the point of view of non-dual thinking. It's like you're in a non-dual bubble looking out in the world um, as opposed to, you know, seeing the world as an, a subject object. It's kind of like everything's a subject and you're, you're inside it looking and, and experiencing the world from a different perspective that that really resonates from a holistic scene and you can see people really starting to open their hearts when they do that but here's the thing they lose a sense oftentimes very few people in the postmodern have a sense of uh devotion this idea of devotion adoration, worship, uh, relationship between myself and God, you know, and just use the word God, but let's just say God or creator, uh, to have this kind of uh, give and take, throw the ball, someone catches it, <laughs> throws it back to me, there's a dialogue, that is under high suspect. But it is one of the things that I find that people, um, when they discover it at the postmodern level, 
it's it's life changing for him. Um, and so I'm actually going. I have a spotlight right now on Senor Lalo. And I want to ask Eduardo, um, you're you're a postmodern sob man. When I first met you, uh, too, and that was when you were what eleven or thirteen or something. I don't know, but like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Um, and you know, very few people that I have come across have had experiences like you of being able to have these open-hearted radiating love and stuff but something switched inside you about five six months ago if i recall um so i don't know would you mind sharing maybe five minutes or so of your story about this rediscovery or maybe for the first time a discovery of a sense of uh devotion to something bigger than you that was relational in nature uh well like five minutes so like i guess a little bit of details like um i was introduced to christ i guess you can say you know to to christ and to um to the christian god and um i've been spiritual and my boy Choi right here in our in our group did that for me and uh it was a super intense super uh unexpected very unexpected because i was going to his house for like hypnosis that day and then that just kind of fell on our laps. And basically, I've been praying, like, um, praying and reading the Bible. And um, I've been spiritual my whole life, right? But not, like, tied to anything specifically. But I find that since I started praying like like this, it's just... And it's the way I told Troy and Doug, I feel like being in a... like the space that has been cemented and a path that has been walked by people in that past that already, you know, like I know that other people know that this could be a way. So I basically feel like I'm getting put onto that knowledge and it has been so life changing. My life feels like, and I, I don't know, like it's crazy to talk about. And I told Troy and I told them how crazy it made him feel because of how different it seems but it's a really good positivity praying to God and praying to the Christian God. And like, um, I don't know the light and the love that I feel from it, from these practices that are again, cemented in tradition. It it's done something for me that I can't explain really. Cause again, like the spirituality, the positivity, the law of one, the serving others, all these things were things that I like, I was rooted in that, I guess. And that was before, and um, you know, for some of you newer folks who weren't here for uh, the older conversations, but like when I first met Doug, I was um, I was like, and this happened for a while after then, but like real interested in like spiritual Satanism, and it wasn't because like, I don't know, like I told Doug basically in his office when I was thirteen, I was like, there's something more to this world, man, and like <laughs> I'm gonna figure it out. But these spiritual Satanists say they know what's going on and this, this, and that, and they were talking about the spirituality that I was basically looking for at that age. And Doug just was like, well, here's the law of one. There's this completely opposite polarization to it. And then six months ago, I finally was like, okay, I guess I'll pray to you know Christ and God and that stuff and when I'll give that a try. And, and it's been magnificent. Like, I don't know. Like, again, I feel like, like if spiritual, like it's spirituality on steroids. Like that's, that's a good way to put it. I think like you get the direct, I don't know, the direct source almost, it feels like 
it's good. I'm sorry if that was a bad one. It was just that, like, <laughs> no, I, that was that's beautiful. Um, and I think what you're tapping into are two things that I want to highlight, and then I'm going to ask anybody to comment upon what Eduardo said. The first thing I want to highlight is it doesn't have to be a Christian God, for example, or, or Christ in, in that in the sense of that entity. Um, uh, but I think that the there is a true pathway for that belongs in, in high spirituality of devotion, of prayer to uh, to have this relationship where you you pray and 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 it, something just happens. There is a dialogue that happens between the soul and a larger transcendent reality. Go ahead, Eduardo. I just wanted to say, because I know I keep saying Christ and, and I, I forgot about that. But, and it's something that I said to my mom too, because my mom's not, um, she's like, she doesn't believe in God or whatever. But I explained it to her because she's like, oh, so what? Like now God this, God died, Jesus Christ this. But I told her, I was like, my, I just chose this religion. Because in my head, the way that I understand it is like what Doug just said. Like I could have chosen like Islam. Islam is really interesting to me for whatever reason. But I could have chosen that, uh, Judaism, like Buddhism, like all these all these they're like fountains that connect to the same like source you know like it's it's all the same so but i don't know like yeah. christian was like i was the most um um knowledgeable one so i guess that was that was the one that i got and the other thing that's really important about devotion in in the traditional sense <clears throat> and you said it something really important there eduardo those you said trusting that this is a pathway that other people have walked well, metaphysically, and I know DeMarcos and I know um, Troy, you, you guys you guys know this too. Um, metaphysically, you create thought forms. You know, and, and the, you create something in the astral realm or time space when you have an intense thought connected with a feeling. And then when you have a lot of people doing that, the law of squares kicks in, which is also from the law of one. You know, it's a real important, you're creating an infrastructure. You're literally creating a highway, a pathway, um, molding something in the time space. And the more that people walk on that pathway, like if there's a lot of grass and you walk a whole bunch and now that grass starts to leave and it's a path, that's what happens actually in time space when you create these thought forms. So you are, when you pray a certain prayer, even if it's like a, like the Our Father, for example. I mean, that the Our Father's probably been prayed a trillion times in 2000 years or more. Uh, there's a way in which that has a pathway that's, that's well worn by other selves, because we're all one. And it, it can have a, a kind of, um, shortcut effect in a sense when we open up our hearts to that kind of prayer because it's just been so uh grooved in in metaphysics so i wanted to offer um i wanted to support you on that and i'd like to have everybody if you'd like to share what you're hearing from me or eduardo though and how does that make you how do you understand devotion or adoration or worship from a post from an integral or postmodern perspective yeah so I would say, um, first of all, that's a great um, experience. I'm very happy for you that you found your avenue to the creator. Um, I would say in my personal case, I kind of had the exact opposite of Eduardo's um, situation. 
grew up Christian, was raised, you know, was completely all into it, wrapped up, did everything in the church. And then I got to an age where it no longer fed me spiritually. I was searching, I was seeking more. And so um, went on a spiritual journey, tried out a bunch of different stuff. And eventually uh, at my point now, I would say my devotion, looking back from my Christian times to now has, I wouldn't say I've lost my devotion. I, my devotion has evolved because now to me, I don't, I don't, I no longer see God as an entity outside of myself. I recognize myself as God. Um, and so my devotion, I guess you could say, has evolved and expanded into now that almost I try and make every part of my day kind of devotion to the creator because I, I recognize that I am the creator and that everything and everyone else is. And so I feel like I'm in kind of a constant praise in that I'm stopping and I'm, I'm standing in the sunlight on my way into work and I'm experiencing the wind or I'm looking at a stranger out the window and like, that's me. So I feel like my praise and my devotion has encompassed me as a person versus, you know, my, my, my idea of devotion back when I was a Christian, just, you know, every Sunday praise and worship, you know, so I would say that was, that's kind of my experience with devotion. Thank you, Demarcus. That's beautiful. Eduardo, do you want to weigh in on that? It's because I thought about it like, um, and that's how I think about it a lot too. Like I think about us, uh, that little ball. I always think of us as nodes in the network of nodes. And like, it's what I, I told you about this, I think uh, a couple weeks ago, but like, I like think of a little light bulb. And if my light bulb lights up, I can light the light bulbs around me. And then when those light bulbs are lit up, like it's like an energy thing. It's such an energy transference thing, I think. And like, I just wanted to get to that oneness thing because it was running up there, so. Cool. Somebody else have any thoughts on what was being said here? Well, I was brought up, I was baptized, baptized in the Catholic church. And I know I went to Catholic school for a little while. And the, the, the way they taught there was uh, an, an angry, punishing God. Uh, fire and brimstone, and I remember the nuns just trying to put the fear, fear of God in you, priest. But uh, I just never did believe that. Um, I didn't believe that I would commune with God in in the structure of a church. Um, you know, I, I knew I had, even at a very young age, I had a sense that God was everywhere and most certainly found found more easily in, in nature and with animals. Um, so I never bought into that. Um, and then I sort of, sort of um, lost touch with all of that until more recently. And it's shifted a little bit. I still find it in, in all of those places, but it's sort of like the journey of, of rediscovering again. Um, all of that and really trying to uh, really deepen your faith in that, you know, which is, you know, with everything that I've been through in my life, it's been, it, it's, it gets shaky sometimes, you know, and it's, it's something that you can't, faith is just something you can't just grab and touch and hold on to. Um, so it's been quite the journey for me on, on that path. And that's, you know, been just the last couple of years. Um, realizing that I was on that path. Am I hearing you say that in the past last couple of years, your path 
is in a sense a reordering of the original order that there's a faith component of some sort of um i thou subjectivity objectivity i thou relationship with the divine correct and then you know maybe that started back in 2013 you know getting there but you know in between that early childhood experience and then there was a gap maybe in my 20s to where i completely lost faith Mm -hmm. and lost the connection yeah more or less okay thank you fred you you had your hand up um i'm I'm loving what i'm hearing this is so good and looking at different ways of just from the modern to postmodern to modern to or rather from traditional to modern to postmodern and one of the things that uh i'm reminded or i've heard the story about modern you know, or traditional versus modern and kind of in the sense of like, if we would use the analogy of baking a roast, and I'm sure some of you guys have heard of this analogy, how, you know, someone like bakes a roast, but they, they always cut the ends of the roast before they put it in the oven. And, you know, that's what they always do because it was never questioned. That's how my way my mom did it. That's the way my grandma did it. It just makes the meat just great. And that's a traditional uh, way to do it. In other words, don't even ask questions. It's been done over and over again. So why question it? You want the best to just do it. So in the same sense of approaching transcendence, how and why would you ever ask any questions? So many have before have approached transcendence this way. So do it this way traditionalism then modernism comes in and says you know we don't uh you know I, we, we we're going to do it this new way you know when you move the the roast analogy it's like you know we can, we're going to do it this new way and then actually figure out why why did we ever you know cut these sides and trying to figure out all the reasons why you know maybe it brings the juices so on and so forth uh I'm going to skip past that modernism because I think the analogy falls apart, but it gets good with the postmodernism because in postmodernism, the question is asked, why did you ever cut the ends to the roast? And the answer comes about, oh, because my grandma had a small pot and a roast would never fit in the pot. So she had to cut both ends and throw them away. So it was never asked why did you ever cut the roast in the first place well because my grandma she had a small pot you know and so it, the roast wouldn't fit so now i so now postmodernism says you know i'm not going to do that at all i'm going to do it a different way and do it in a new way in the same sense i think the postmodern is coming to this place of i'm going to approach transcendence uh in a, a way that because I've seen so much done over tradition as well as over modernism that, you know, is been detrimental. So it's been kind of this critique, right? And so I'm gonna approach it. One of the antidotes that I often try to offer to postmodernism, I'm different, I'm, oh, I say I'm different. I was born in 67 
So I'm kind of that cross between coming out of modernism into postmodernism and starting to question it. To me, for example, hip hop is very postmodern and it took me a good while to realize that. I mean, what hip hop does is it takes all of these scraps from these different ideas and concepts and puts it together and bam, this is what I'm trying to say. So I'm not saying what these three different artists have said in the past, like a Stevie Wonder or a, you know, or a, you know, a, a Mike, whatever, you know, Michael Jackson and uh, you know George Clinton. No, I'm taking the three pieces that they said that I like the best, and I'm putting a new sentence from each piece of their sentence to say my own sentence. Now, the modernism and especially the traditionalists will say, "How dare you disrespect?" George Clinton, Michael Jackson, or Stevie Wonder by not taking their full sentence. And the modern, the, 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 the postmodernism would say, how dare you try to interrupt me sharing my sentence? It's now my sentence that I'm trying to get across. Oh, this is the antidote that I often give to the postmodern. Keep on living. Keep on living, baby. Keep on living because after a while you do have to find out ways to approach transcendence and and you use both you know non uh vetted means and mode modalities as well as you use vetted and traditional modalities as a resource it's not the only thing it's just one of the tools in the tool belt and i love it when you get those three different points of view into a, a conversation where they can kind of loosely play with each one and not just hold on to it it's got to be like this it's got to be this modern way you know it's got to be this traditional way only hymns it's got to be this modern way you know these these you know remixed hymns or songs or praise and worship or the the modern it's got to be just this la 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 woo 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 sing for five hours about nothing but just feeling good like a deer in the forest all three of them are great so let's just figure out how they work. And the only way we do that is when we are engaged with each other and continually in engagement and we're able to like what the postmodern has done to me and I'll shut up. I think the best thing that they've done is they've helped us get comfortable with asking more questions and not just settling for the small pot that cooks the roasts and we sacrifice the ends of the roast as opposed to like, let's ask deeper questions. The postmodern would say, hey, that's social injustice to the size of those roasts. You know? <laughs> You're gonna throw that good meat away? <laughs> right, and, and they're right. Yeah. But the traditionalist would say, but that's the sacrifice. That's the sacrifice. Hi, <laughs> Fred, you, words, the, it's just coming out, your wisdom. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I like what you have to say um keep on living baby yeah that's it's true because it's like um i i have found in my own life when in the postmodern position of really feeling at one with all things you know um the 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 wind that's blowing or the sky above are 
are is me and and bigger than me but it's it's me with a capital m you know like you can really get that unitive experience then also in my life um when i've had pains of uh, you know times of absurdity in my life absurdity where there is no thinking this through it's like it's it's a breakdown what do you do when when something happens that doesn't make sense anymore even even with like uh the 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 macro stuff going on politically the absurdity of it all well there are times where you don't have to go all the way back traditionalism and then you know uh throw everything modernity and postmodernity away although a lot of people do because they're looking for some kind of structure but it it is an authentic avenue to build the muscle again of devotion because um and ross says this over and over again you know people oftentimes who are really into the law of one they get really really into non-dual uh, worldview or non-duality you know everything's non-dual and it's all god experiencing god and through us and all this stuff which is all true but i think a closer reading of the law of one at least from my very biased place i will say it's very biased uh distorted but a closer reading shows that ra um doesn't throw out non-duality but non-duality includes um a, a, an infinity of dualisms, if you will. Uh, it's not the absence of dualisms. It is, includes them all because they're talking all the time about relationality. Yes. It, it's, it's all relational. In fact, there was one time uh, Don and uh, Ra were kind of laughing. Well, Ra was actually laughing at Don in the way that Ra laughs. You can almost hear like a ha, ha. <laughs> they, they had that a dry sense of humor. My God, those Venusians. We got to get them something a little but Bring it down, brother. But anyways, um, Ra, Ra was saying something about we find it humorous that you talk about close encounters for isn't any encounter very, very close in an unending unitive you know, universe. And then right. you could almost hear Ra going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Actually, they're all smoking these big cigars. <laughs> and I'm just, I have all these fantasies about what Ra really doing behind the scenes. Um, anyways, it's all relational. And even in the eighth density, you know, that's another thing that Ra talks about, the law of one. It's like once you get through this, this, octave of duality you know and increasingly more and more non-dual and then rot and if you read the law of one you'll see that it does seem like there's a way in which you become all you, you lose identity you, you become all with all but then there's all kinds of stuff in the law of one that talks about how an eighth density above you have beings, and these are individuated beings with their own individuated sense of sentience communicating that are not the same. So the being all in all and, and losing one's identity um, somehow is 
still finds its way to manifest in the next octave where there is identity, but it's, it's a non-dual kind of identity. But you absolutely have individuation. I mean, stars are individuated. Logoi are individuated. Gal galaxies are individuated beings. Yes. So there isn't, uh, you don't, I don't think you ever lose individuation in a sense. And what you do is you find that it's unending relationality, unending. And it's beings relating to beings and it's God relating to God. And the relationship in between is also God, uh, you know, it, so it is all God, but it's made out of an infinity of dualisms are trinities really because you can't ever have a dualism it's always three there's always this this and the relationship in between so um i think that for the sake of postmodernity and and the real intrigue postmodernists have with non-dual thinking at the integral level it does feel like there's a rediscovery a reappreciation and i would argue a repraxis of this devotional aspect of relationality where it is being connecting with being and having a dialogue that in and of itself feeds into unitive consciousness they're not paradoxes it, you can have an i thou and be non-dual at the same time that's not a paradox as as alan watts said just because you are god doesn't mean you can't have a relationship with god Yes. Yeah. What do you think about that, Sirac? Um. So, I. What do I think of that? I mean, shit, man. I don't. I. So I. I put you on the man. spot. I'm sorry, man. No, no, man. It's it's all it's all good. I feel stuff bubbling to the surface. I mean, I was raised in church and going to church my whole life. I remember being like 11 or 12 years old and during worship time, you know, the singing, I was standing there thinking, I am experiencing this experience and everyone, we're all singing, but who is the one who is experiencing this worship experience? And I just kept like, playing that loop and it was so beautiful to me but i just kind of i would like have moments of snapping out of it and then i i, I ended up sometimes leading worship i'd be on stage singing songs for the church and i remember having moments of going through the motion going through having these transcendent moments of who is the one leading these songs like i it's and i guess you get into a flow state where you just kind of start you just start kind of being the thing that you're doing and i never could have words for it until like i always used to think of god as someone kind of out there and if i jump high enough say the right things act smart enough be good enough like, hey, let's all shake our, let's all wave our hands as quick as, you know, get God's attention, then God would show up. And I think that theology made sense in the traditional mindset where people are, you know, making sacrifices here to earn something in the next life 
or being good boys and good girls and being anal retentive with, to get something good later. But I, I would see consistently how that would fall short because um, when I began learning about kind of the Enneagram of personality and the Gurdjieff work and, and kind of stepping into like the element of human psyche where we're all kind of very mechanistic and machine-like creatures that are just slaves to our habits and our personas and our egos, I began to see oh, those moments where I was wondering who is the one experiencing this experience, I would kind of pull away from the Serac that I just so know and love. And, and those moments were kind of, they came to a head in November when uh, a buddy and I, we, we did mushrooms together. And And they were so powerful, they just. And they were so powerful, they just stopped him. That was amazing. That was beautiful. And it started saying, because my eyes were open and I was looking at the walls melting and I was so, what the hell is happening? And this voice said, ask me whatever you want. And I started asking questions like, why? I, I think I asked, why is that tree so beautiful? And this entity was like, oh, that tree is you, and you're the tree, and that tree is you. And it was like, next question, just very nonchalantly, what else do you want to know? And I would say, why did they, why did they kill Jesus? And it said, um, when you love people truly from your heart, what option do people have but to kill you? Because when they kill you, they're killing themselves. And I, and it was just these funny answers that I was like, what the hell does that mean? But every answer it gave me. I intuitively just knew, of course, that's it. Of course, that's it. And I would ask these weird questions of, you know, did I make the right decision, you know, marrying my wife? And it would say, yeah, of course you did. But there's a universe where you two don't get married. And what else? <laughs> it, would just, it would just respond with these silly answers. And then there was this moment where I, I, was, I asked it, I said, who am I? And it said, you are me and I am you. <laughs> it was just these answers that I wanted these long, you know, semester long courses on, but it was just giving me these quick answers that I was like, uh, um, and at the end of it, I was like, well, shit, man, what am I going to do now? And then it said, don't worry, I'll connect you with people that are, that are like-minded. <laughs> and I, a few weeks later found Doug's blog and now here I, I am. And I, and I, and I have these moments now where I, those moments I had as a 12 year old where I would peel back and be like, what is, who is the one experiencing this? Now I have moments where I go, I am the creator experiencing this and you are the creator experiencing this. And I've, and I've been telling, I'll text Doug. I'm like, I just have these beautiful magical moments where I really do see paths created right in front of me when I open myself up to others, to myself. And it's, 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 uh, it's like, I'm tapping into this, this like cloud network of information that has just been dormant. So when I, so I'm still a pastor, I'm still, you know, still spend a lot of time with people in churches, 
And all of that is still beautiful. It's even more beautiful to me now because I see it and it all just belongs in such a beautiful way because it's an expression of what underneath it is true that we're all connected, we're all one. So that was kind of was coming to mind as you were sharing, Doug. And plus you talked about Alan Watts at the end of it, which Alan Watts was like the catalyst five years ago, showed up on my YouTube algorithm. And that was the thing that just launched me down this path of who is this guy who just said that, you know, <laughs> anyway, that was funny. Oh, that was what I to share. beautiful. What a, what a marvelous <laughs> response. Thank you. <laughs> You don't need to cut the butt off of any of that. No, no. We'll find a pot big enough, brother. We'll find a pot big enough. I need to sit down and type out all the questions and answers I got in that experience. Cause, uh, you really do. Although you could probably just take shrooms again and just ask, what the heck did we talk about? Oh, that's funny, yeah. Just say, hey, let's pick up where we left. Where yeah, we yeah. Hmm. And then they start cussing you out and say, no, I want to speak to the other one. <laughs> just, just kidding. Troy, oh, do you have anything that's, that, uh, it's coming to mind as, as you're hearing all this conversation? Well, as a spiritual director, um, I'm very impressed with what Jesus said that nobody can come to the father of the infinite creator unless the spirit draws them. So it seems that what I do as a spiritual director is I look around and say, okay, where's the spirit drawing this guy? And where's the spirit drawing this lady? And, and uh, how is God working in this person's life? And I just sort of highlight that and flow with that and give presence to that and let happen what happen, let happen what happens. And good things seem to happen. And, Thanks, Rock. I... Oh. It's just giving presence and not giving answers uh, lately, and you found it works wonders, doesn't it? And uh, are you, I think you're frozen again, though, Sirach. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, there you are. Uh, uh, anyway. Um, Start with that. I think my thing froze. I don't know if Bruce said anything to me. But anyway, my, my point being that you listen for the wind of the spirit and say oh look what's happening here let's 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 do something and you know i can throw traditional responses to the what whatever the spirit's doing and well, here's this technique here's that technique some of them are going to stick some of them don't it's like spaghetti against the wall kind of thing you know and uh if they don't stick i, I doesn't hurt my feelings but do do something do something and and people generally do uh if they don't i i have on one occasion fired someone because she wouldn't do anything <laughs> but uh but most people do do what what suits them and and the spirit woos them along and and i just rejoice with them so, yeah yeah beautiful 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 thank you well, it is nine. Oh, yeah, Eduardo, mm -hmm. real quick. I feel like, you know, um, and again, like we we're talking about the blue chocolate at the beginning. That was funny, but I feel like I um, I just wanted to say that uh, I would like to get to know some of you that I don't know as well a lot more, like Sirach and 
Demarcus and even Troy and Neil. Like, I feel like I've been absent a lot. I don't know. But I really do like and value this community. And um, I feel like I could be open and honest with you. And that's the problem that I feel like I've had a lot. Um, I don't know. In my environment, I guess in terms of spirituality. So, like, you know, I value y'all. And I like y'all. So thank y'all for being here. Thank y'all for letting me do it. Thank y'all for letting me talk about that. One heart, man. Thank you. You're, you're an incredibly important part of our community. Yeah. Um, would any, oh, did you want to say something, Fred? Um, I, if you were about to close, I would just like to um, thank you for that, Eduardo. And my heart has been so warmed and just blessed. Uh, but honestly, as well on the same side, and I'm sure you guys, I don't know if you guys talked about any uh, catalyst. But uh, like the last two days, three days, honestly, so Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, uh, my heart has just been broken and grieved over the situation in Buffalo. And uh, I think it was just today that I realized, oh, my heart is still broken. That's what's up. You know, and speaking of it from our perspective, you know, God really needs to have a good conversation with God about why we would go into a supermarket and kill 10 of our own uh and what are we trying to start and what do we need to stop and um thank you guys for because i know your hearts are grieving as well and so uh that's something that's heavy on my heart that uh we have to talk about doug we talked about that you know in our podcast and like the word picture that i had when i was trying to talk about it was like no, do I want to get rid of the police? No, I want to actually grab the police and pull them in and say, you need to feel what this is right here. And that's the same thing I want to do for these young, unfortunate, these young, white, scary men, men that are scared. I was really triggered. I've been listening to... Um, Octavia Butler, if anybody knows, she's a science fiction writer, black science fiction writer, female. Uh, and I started a new one of her books called Kindred today, which is just phenomenal. And my last, after 12 hours of work today, on my 12th hour, I pick up a kid in his 20s, a young white dude that's going to a brewery to go work. But he had what my wife calls, he looked wild by the eye. That's just her saying she's from the South. So, and I just, I was triggered and I recognized the triggering like, oh, is this dude just gonna pull out a gun cause he wants to continue the war type thing and, and all of that. And I just, and that was when I realized I am heartbroken over this. And I know many others are. So if we could uh, have that in mind to send the right type of signal vibration to where we can come out of this cognitive dissonance on a cosmic level. Fred, just wrap it. this up. Uh, could you do a closing prayer for us? We're, you're on this roll, so I don't want to stop your flow. Just bring it into a conclusion. So, so, so let's all, um, let's all just find in our imagination as we close our eyes, as we could in our mind's eye use 
our imagination as a spotlight to search within our hearts a place of brokenness that identifies with the people of Buffalo, a place of brokenness that identifies with a broken mindset that would accept the idea of retaliation and service of self to self. And let's see ourselves embracing that part of our heart, embracing it and asking for the divine, the, the infinite creator to heal this right here. Let's all point to it right now. Heal this right here. This is where the hurt is. This is where the pain is. Heal this right here. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Yeah, thank you for that, Fred. So let's go forth this week in a spirit of devotion to our other selves, devotion to the relation, relational nature of the universe, and being grateful for the joys and also the joy, grateful for the heartbreak because that's also the infinite creator breaking, feeling broken in that experience. We thank everybody here. God bless. Look forward to seeing you next week. Amen. Amen. Love. Love. Love y'all.